0: You were listening to a message from The Exchange in Pearl, Mississippi. To find out more about The Exchange, go to www.theexchange.cc. I think we've all been there before, right? The exciting family vacation, the exciting family trip to the awesome destination. Our kids are literally losing their mind in anticipation of the fun that they anticipate that they're going to have, right? Right. You've gassed up, and you've packed up, and you've snacked up, and you got everybody to go use the bathroom before you loaded it up because you know that was going to be a thing. And you're 20 minutes into the six-hour road trip, and you hear the inevitable question asked from the back seat, are we there yet? And in that moment, your shoulders sink, and reality sets in, and you realize that this is going to be a long trip. Am I right? And here's the deal. My name is Josh. I'm the worship and creative pastor here at The Exchange, which means absolutely nothing in the context of the conversation that we're about to have. Um, As we finish, we're in week uh, three of our series, Me, We, Us, and we're talking today about intentional parenting. So maybe for better credibility, maybe I should say that I am the husband to my wife, Celeste, and I am the father of three kids, Piper, Judah, and Brooks. And I don't know how we drew the short straw of this conversation, but we're going to do our best, okay? Okay. But I use the analogy of the are we there yet road trip because, one, I think we can all relate. Some of us, even in the last couple of months, right, as we took the summer vacation, uh, we had that experience all over again. And then maybe the better reason is this. I think it's an active metaphor for this idea of intentional parenting that we're going to lean into today because I don't think that we can answer the are we there yet question without determining a few things. So first, I think we have to determine where we are. Like, literally, where do we exist right now? I think we have to determine the destination that we hope to reach. We have to determine how it is that we're going to get there and make sure everybody's in the car at the same time, right? We got to get that part, too, because we're not going to magically arrive at some unknown destination on a road trip. Equally speaking, we're not going to somehow magically arrive at success in parenting unless we choose to be proactive, because intentional parenting takes planning, right? See, it's, it's a proactive preparation, not a reactive response. Before we get too deep today, man, I would be amiss if I tried to have this conversation with you alone because Lord knows I am just trying to figure this thing out. And the reality is a lot of the implementation, a lot of the successes that we've experienced as, as a family have been at the will and the patience and the persistence of my wife as we've tried to implement Intentional Parenting in our home. And so what I want to do is I want to invite my wife to the platform today uh, as an opportunity to maybe paint the clearest picture that we possibly can of this intentional parenting focus that 35 minutes allows us to do, right? Because the reality is we're not going to answer all the questions in 35 minutes, but we hope to at least set the table. So would you guys do me a favor? Would you help welcome my wife to the platform, Celeste, please? (laughs) Thank you all so much. I didn't get quite that applause, but that's totally... Totally fine. Totally fine, man. You do look
1: awesome in that Britney Spears mic, though. I'm kind of jealous of that.
0: (laughs) I was gonna sing a song, but I'm not gonna do it. So, so here's the deal. One, I'm super thankful that we get the chance to do this together. Um, I think this is a really cool opportunity for us as a church family to just get to lean in together and have a conversation. And so, I want Celeste. I want you to start that. As we prepared for this moment, as we prepared for what the the posture is that we would take today, the tone that we would take in this conversation, I thought that you really nailed it really, really well in the approach that we would take. So would you mind sharing that just as we kick off the conversation?
1: Yeah, absolutely. We want to throw out the disclaimer that we're not the professionals. We are not the experts at this. Um, What we realize is that some of you guys have been at this a lot longer than us. Um, And you're probably doing it much better than us. And you've lived a lot more life experience um, than we have. I'm like you. I'm still trying to figure out why in the world we were asked to do this. I see the looks that we get in the grocery store. (laughs) And I get asked quite often um, or get told quite often, you have your hands full. And to which I say, but, yeah, you should see my heart. So come at me. (laughs) What what, what else you got next? Um, So we just like to say that we're gracefully stumbling stumbling forward. In this, and uh, we've made some mistakes along the way. You know, we've had to adjust and pivot. Um, but we, ha- what we have found is that as we uh, lean in and trust God, you know, He is faithful to impart His wisdom through Scripture. Um, and as we've committed to spiritual community, you know, we have found great wisdom and people that are steps ahead of us. And then also um, have found great resources, one of those being ParentQ app, and then uh, other resources through uh, paired church organizations. But um, with all that being said... Um, What we wanted to do is kind of kick off the day with sharing a story um, about us, but not about how we're crushing it as parents.
0: Yeah, we'll get to those stories
1: in a little bit. Yeah, but about how we we get it wrong. And so welcome to the just keeping it real (laughs) with Josh and Celeste uh, hour. So uh, we thought it would be appropriate to share a story as October is approaching um, about an instance that we survived last year. And so it was late one Thursday evening, and Josh was tasked with taking the kids to Walmart to pick out costumes. Um, the next day, they were going to get the opportunity to wear the costumes at school. And so my only request was nothing scary. That, that I don't do scary. Um, and then the school kind of had a policy that you can't wear scary masks or scary costumes. And um, to my surprise, uh, I was graced with a monstrosity of a costume um, from my son Judah as he walked through the door. I think we actually have a picture of this costume.
0: Hey, but in, in my defense, scary is subjective, right? Like, we, we we have our interpretation.
1: Right, yeah, and I'm still traumatized by this Sorry. picture, but there's actually a little, I want you to, uh, kind of zone in there's one more picture here you see the little guy right there on the shoulder yeah any 90 kids in here do y'all remember the movie Tremors Kevin Bacon and, and Reba you know um, does that not look like the little gruesome worm that would come out um I don't know why my kids ever, I mean my parents ever allowed me to watch that movie maybe that's why I'm giving a talk on parenting um but anyways all that to say is um it was a late night and we didn't really get to discuss how we were going to handle this costume and so we went on to bed woke up the next morning i woke up late um, i'm getting ready for work and so you were getting the kids ready and i walk into the kitchen uh to push everybody out the door because we got to go to work and we got to go to school. To uh, And I walk in and I see Judah and I'm immediately triggered by this costume. And so we entered into a heated discussion um, about trying to convince our son to wear an old costume that was not as scary to which in um, the best way he could. He let us know he quickly did not agree with that. And so we conceded um, the peacekeepers that we are. We um, avoided the conflict Push them out into the garage. And I'm thinking, all right, how are we gonna handle this? Because I gotta get them into the school building. So I look at him and I say, just put this stupid thing underneath the strap of your butt bag so you can get into the school and I can get to work. To which our first child looks at me and says, that's lying, you have told us all the time that if we try to hide something that's just like lying to which i said not now piper we gotta go so sorry i gave away my kid i was trying not to give away anybody else have a little pharisee in their house yeah it shows you how you're measuring up yeah we're thankful for those um so you know we get in the van we we get dropped off we get to work but then once the desk settles man the weight of how we handled that really hit and so we had seven hours where we had to kind of mull over you know how we didn't handle it great and so we made sure that we needed to circle back around and apologize and let them know we didn't handle that great and how we should have handled that so we share that story just because we want to share our lives with you and um how we're trying to do our best with what god has given us whether we nail it or not um so if we could honestly we would not want to have this conversation from this stage, but really, rather across the table, across a meal with you, in the beautiful chaos of our home, where you may hear a poop story again, just keeping it real. Our you know, poop discussions happen a lot in our home, um, but the hope would be that you would just feel normal, or maybe feel better about <laughs> yourself, and maybe say, at least we're not like them.
0: Yeah. I don't know, you can't feel what I feel right now, but this is like, this is therapy. Like this is just putting it all out there. Um, man, I think another thing that we have to acknowledge as we kind of lay the foundation for this conversation is we understand that every family dynamic is uniquely different. And so we don't, we don't have a silver bullet today to tell you this is how you're supposed to do it in order to achieve success. Um, but we do believe that the principles that we're going to share today as we have a conversation and just lay some foundational framework Uh, can be beneficial in any environment, whether that is a home where grandparents are the primary caregivers, um, whether you're a single parent, um, whether you're in a shared custody situation, maybe you fostered or adopted, maybe disabilities exist in your home, even so far as to say that even if you as parents differ in your view of God, this framework can still be beneficial as you try to lean in and intentionally disciple and love your kids. Um, So I think the first place that we have to start is maybe... In understanding the role of the family, maybe it's probably wise to look at the original family. And so we're going to go to Genesis 1, and we're going to look at Adam and Eve for just a second. So if you have scripture, uh, I would love for you to follow along, a Bible app, or we're going to have it on the screen. We're going to dance around a little bit today, but we're going to start in Genesis 1, chapter 26, and it reads like this. Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them, and he said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. So basically, God created man, and then he quickly put man into family. So Eve was formed from the rib of Adam, and two people became one flesh, very quickly, one man, one husband, one woman, one wife, one family, united. And then God gives a command. He says, be fruitful and multiply and subdue the earth. In other words, he says, go make babies, fill the earth with my image, and then rule over intentionally those children, instruct them and rule over the earth for my glory. So I think based on the context of the text and and maybe just the basis of our conversation, a good place to start is why. Well, why did God create the family. So Celeste, based on that text as we read it, why do you feel God has created the family?
1: Yeah, so we believe that the text shows us a couple of things. One being that God created the family to teach us about his nature and his ways. The structure of the family kind of helps us understand God's love for the world um, through the good news of Jesus. And so that structure helps us understand the relational nature of God and how he relates to his children. The picture of family is used throughout the scripture to teach us about God's care, his provision, his love, his power, and his wisdom. Um, And so when God redeems those who put their trust in Jesus, he calls them into a family. And like we sang this morning, he's not only a good father, but he's a perfect father who loves us. And if we put our trust in him, he adopts us into his family, calling us his children and then also we believe that God created the family to bring forth life and flourishing. Um, in the simplest terms, families are made up of people bound together by marriage, by blood, and or adoption. And by God's original design, families were the means by which mankind would multiply and subdue the earth. And so families are the primary place where a person is to be nurtured, cultivated, and cared for. Um, God's desire for those who are made in his image is that they would know the covering, the care, the instruction, the protection, and the love that comes from belonging to a family. In fact, this is so foundational and important to God that he actually commands his church to draw in and surround those without families, uh, the widow, the orphan, um, the foreigner, and the outcast, and provide for them as a family would. Um, for those of you in the room um, who are single and without kids, or for those who are married and without, without kids, or for you in the room who are um, have the, kit, the gift of moving on to having grandkids in your life, um, we want you to know that you really have an opportunity to continue to share your life and share God's truth um, with kids. You know, you have the Great Commission, Uh, as a command for you, just like us. It says to go and make disciples, and you could say make spiritual sons and daughters, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey all that Jesus has commanded you. So we just asked, could you think about the kids that are in your proximity of the spaces that you exist in? So who is someone that uh, you could take the opportunity to share your life with? uh, That could greatly benefit from your presence in their life, um, your experiences, your su- successes, and your failures. Um, we could talk a lot about this, but we'll end by saying this that regardless of our experiences, we all can agree that our family has had a great impact in shaping who we are today. And so whether through presence or absence, the family has marked us in ways that no one else can or will.
0: Yeah, I think that's so good. Um, And I think it's a right challenge for us that maybe have moved past that window of birth uh, to graduation in the parenting journey, that we still have a call to be a part of the story. Um, I think as we continue to establish foundation today, another thing that we need to address, and I promise you guys we'll get to some practical things at the end, but like I said, this is not a silver bullet of what you should do, but this is really more of a presentation of of why we know that it is important, and we're calling you to understand that as well. And so as we lean in, um, I think another question to answer is, what is or who has the primary role when it comes to spiritual matters within the context of the family? Um, So I'll, I'll ask you, who has the primary role when it comes to spiritual matters within the framework of the family? Drum roll is you do. You guys do. Man, the, the parents or the primary caregivers hold the primary responsibility in spiritual matters. And as you get up off the floor, because I know you said, wait, wait a second. Like I got, I got practical common sense stuff. The church is responsible for spiritual things. But I think we have to redirect that narrative a little bit. I think that we have to be mindful because society and culture has trained us in some ways to outsource things like education and advancement in our kids' lives. And so that's why we send kids to school and to tutors and to teachers and to counselors and to coaches and to churches to develop them um, And I think the reality, because we do that so often, it's become culturally acceptable to continue to do that. We walk around in this subconscious understanding that we have this insecurity in our ability to have influence in our kid's life. And so hear me say this. I'm not saying don't do those things. I think if you want to lean into the skills of a specialist in a specialized area to help advance the growth and development of your child, absolutely do that. I don't think that anybody has the expectations that parents should be experts in everything, although some of you probably think that you are, right? Like my dad, he refers to himself as a near genius. Okay. So like, I know, like I get, I get where you guys might be coming from, but nobody has the unrealistic expectation of you that you have acquired all the necessary skills to be an expert in every area of your child's life. But when it comes to spiritual matters, God's primary responsibility, he grants that to you as the parent or the significant caregiver within a child's life. And I feel like I can speak some context to this because seven and a half of the 10 years that I've spent in full-time ministry, I've spent as a student pastor. And I can't tell you the number of conversations that I've had that were saying without saying, fix my kid. That's what, that, that's what they were saying, even though that's not what they were actually saying with their mouth. They're saying, fix my kid. and um, And I just want to take a second to maybe paint a scenario to help you understand why, one, that's, that's a flawed approach, and maybe an incomplete approach to push the development spiritually of your child onto the church um, as, as it exists. Um, so using numbers that Orange provides, there are 936 weeks. We're going to do some math on a Sunday. Is that okay? So there are 936 weeks between birth and the moment of graduation at 18 years old that they identify as the realm of influence that you have directly. And we can do some simple math to say that in 24 hours a day times seven, there's 168 hours in one week, right? So I want to break some things down for you. So today, as you sit in this environment and your child is in little life or kid life today, or attend student life on a Wednesday night, generously speaking, Um, we as the church get about two hours of influence in the week of your child, and you get 166 hours of influence in the life of your child. And so to do some math from birth to 18, that would say that the church gets 1,872 hours of influence if you show up all the time, which we understand we don't, right? We get 1,872 hours of influence. The 166 hours of influence that you have within your home, there is over 155,000 hours of influence that you have in your home. But you say, wait, 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 wait a second. My kid sleeps and my kid goes to school and my kid does a lot of things because I need to feel better about that number for a second. So I subtract that number out of the time that your kid is asleep and the time that your kid is away and you are still left with over 74,000 hours of conscious awareness within your home where you have an ability to influence your child. And so if we as the church have 1,872 hours, if you're here all the time and you have over 74,000 hours at home, it begs the question, which environment holds the greater value in the formation of our child, right? Right? I know that's heavy, and I want it to sit heavy for a second, but I want you to understand, and I'm going to come around this with how the church is going to support you in that, but I need you to know that the primary responsibility is yours, and here's some scriptures to help support that. Uh, This is Deuteronomy 6, verses 4 through 9. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These commandments I give you today, they are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. This is Psalm 78, 1 through 7. It says, My people, hear my teaching. Listen to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth with a parable. I will utter hidden things, things from of old, things we have heard and known, things our ancestors have told us. Hear this We will not hide them from their descendants, but we will tell the next generation of the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, his power, and the wonders he has done. But it doesn't stop there. He decreed statutes for Jacob and established the law in Israel, which then he commanded our ancestors to teach their children so the next generation would know, even those yet to be born, that they in turn would tell their children. You see how it works? Then they would be able to put their trust in God. They would not forget his deeds, but would keep his commands. And then we'll jump over to Ephesians 6.4. It says, fathers, or we could say today, primary caregivers, do not exasperate your children, but instead bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. And there's a whole message there that we won't dive into. We'll just focus on the end for just a moment, but bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. And so as I read that, as we do the math, the scripture seems clear. The math seems to support that God gives the primary responsibility to you as the parent But how do we realistically lead our kids in spiritual things when I think we often feel we would be honest today and say we feel overwhelmed and under-equipped, right? How how do we do it well when we don't feel confident in being able to do it? And um, Celeste, I've watched you grow specifically in the last couple of years in the way that you've loved the Lord and served the Lord in a personal way and watched that overflow into the rhythms of our home. And so I would love for you to take just a few moments and talk about what it is, this call of being a disciple and maybe the idea beyond that of modeling discipleship within the home environment. And just for, uh I mean, categories today to just help build some framework, we're gonna use four words today. Modeling, time, moments, and milestones. We're gonna focus on those four words today. So why don't you talk about the idea of modeling for just a second?
1: So yeah, I guess I have to start my answer with a question. How can I disciple someone if I am not an active disciple myself? Before you can make a disciple, you have to be a disciple because you cannot impart something where you do not possess yourself. Um, we don't have time to fully unpack what that means, but if you want to know, know more about what that looks like, feel free to check out the cultural Christianity series we just wrapped up or go back to week one of this series. Um, But the reality is, is we're all intimidated at some level to teach things about the Lord that we don't fully understand ourselves. Um, Some of us are insecure in our ability to be able to explain God's word in a way that is accurate and makes sense. But really, maybe God kind of sets it up that way so that it would create a greater dependence in us on him. Remember, there's no silver bullet when it comes to parenting, but God is so gracious. We've seen it time and time again to provide what we need in order to be faithful to this call that he has placed on us as a parent. Um, And who better to lead and point our kids to Jesus than us as parents who care care And provide for them. So what does that look like? Um, As a parent, we really should be modeling for our kids what it looks like to be a healthy disciple of Jesus. We like to say that more is caught than taught. And what that really means is that what you do really carries more weight than what you say. You know, your kids don't necessarily care about how much you know until they know how much you care. Um, so your modeling should consist of serving a godly example in your home and living out your genuine walk with God and demonstrating true repentance when and where you fall short. We suggest to say, I'm sorry, a lot. Yeah. That's really our statement <laughs> grace with our kids right now in our home. Um, we also suggest to take time to get to know your kids in order to model what it is that they need To really uh, flourish and and thrive in their life, study them like a scout would study a potential prospect for their team. You know, we know that takes hard work, time, and intentionality. And honestly, for some of us, we need to start as simple as putting our phone down. Mm -hmm. Stop studying what's on our phone and start studying our kids. But maybe you could ask yourself these questions What are their strengths? What are their weaknesses? Um, What are they really excited about? Uh, What is their go-to emotion when they encounter a conflict or an unexpected crisis? What is a new skill that they want to learn? What do we want to give them as far as values and beliefs and them having their suitcase when they get ready to leave our home and transition into adulthood? And so we feel like if we can answer these questions, then we can implement as parents uh, ways to equip them by modeling in real life uh, how to utilize their strengths and improve upon their weaknesses through their discipleship uh, to Jesus. It's kind of like we're almost tending to like a flower bed. Um, we know that it that takes time and we really know, need to know the materials that we're working with. Um, I think something else important for us to note is that whether we realize it or not, Oftentimes we default in parenting to the model that was set for by our parents. That's right. um, I love this quote that Jesus may be in your heart, but Grandpa is in your bones. <laughs> um, so if Grandpa is in your bones and Grandpa is in my bones, and we're two become one, which one wins out? My Grandpa. And so I think it deserves an honest conversation and some time to explore for ourselves what, what it looked like to grow up in our family of origin and have that conversation with your spouse if you're married. Um, what do you want to see repeated in your home uh, that was present in your upbringing? What do you want to see die? <laughs> what do you want to see redeemed or maybe improved upon for your upbringing um, as, you walk out, as you walk out parenting in your home? So honestly, we really just think one of the best ways to love your children is to love well, um, to model what it means to love well uh, with your relationship with God and um, have that on display for your kids. Things like praying for one another, praying for people outside of your home, um, sharing with your kids on their level what you're learning. Um, Maybe walk. Them through a difficult conflict or circumstance uh, that you've experienced and let them know the emotions that you felt and how you invited God into those emotions and that you found that he was faithful to walk with you through it and give you the tools that you needed. Um, another great example for those that are married is how well you love and serve your spouse. Um, but then also for those that are single, how well do you love uh, your friends and your neighbors? Um, some possible questions to reflect on uh, with mo- how you're doing with modeling, is maybe just think about some, some, some scenarios that you've experienced for yourself. Like, how do they hear me address the waiter when he or she has gotten our order wrong three times? Or what does my daughter hear when I'm talking about my body? Um, what, do ki- what do my kids see when I burn dinner and we gotta get out of the door to get to a soccer game? Um, How do my kids hear me speak about someone outside of our home that I have conflict with? Or how do my kids see me reason through how much time I've spent on my phone? Um, While we're called to disciple our kids, God is not asking us to be something that we're not. You don't have to be a theologian here. Uh, Don't be fake. But it is crucial for the spiritual development of your home that you have a genuine Walk with God, uh, foster through healthy disciplines and rooted in love for God and for others. So, before you can lead well at home, you need to be led well by God.
0: Yeah, I think that's a great picture. And so, we're talking about modeling at home, but we don't want you to feel like you have been severed and disconnected from the church influence because we do believe it's important. So, the question becomes then how does the church come around the family when the family is trying to be intentional to parent and disciple? Well, and I think in a lot of ways, it really starts with how we define church, because a lot of people in our culture, when they define church, they think about a space. They think about an existence or a building or a place that they go to, and they're not thinking about people, but it should actually be the reverse, that church is the people that we surround ourselves with in spiritual community, not the location that we go to, which is why we say this is four walls and a building, and you are, we are the church and so to define church i think a healthy church is simply the relationships that we have with fellow believers followers of the way of jesus in spiritual community and it will ultimately be the church are the people there they're going to they're going to help us carry our burdens they're going to walk with us through the sorrows and the joys of life they're going to pray with us encourage us through the difficult seasons they are the ones that are going to be there and therefore i believe the role of the church those relationships is to help disciple children, not by taking on the parental role, but by coming around you as the parent or the caregiver with love and support and accountability and prayer. Because I think faithful followers of Jesus, they can be an additional voice, not the primary voice, but an additional voice into the life of your child or your student. And they're not assuming the parent role, but they're rather coming in to support and strengthen that. And Man, so even today, like you've already heard about the ParentQ uh, app, and I highly recommend that you get the ParentQ app. You've already heard about the ParentQ gallery, that you're going to have an opportunity to go and experience and engulf yourself in uh, on the back end of today's gathering. I just want to say that I believe we have a next-gen team that works tirelessly to equip you with the things that you need, apps resources, encouragements, send homes on Sundays. They're literally putting the ball on the tee for you to be able to knock it out of the park at home. And so, man, my encouragement is just take advantage of that. So we will, let's transition to practical for just a few minutes. Uh, So we've talked about modeling. Let's spend some time with uh, this idea of time, um, how is it that we can create intentional rhythms in our schedule for family discipleship to actually take place? Take place? Like can, just, can we agree like the schedule is full already, right? Anybody would be open to go, "You know what? The schedule's full." Okay So then let's counter the lie that I don't have time, OK? So we're going to go back and do some math for just a second, and I know you inwardly groan at the idea of math because the math is going to point to a problem, and we're going to have to address it, and something's broken, and so, but hey, acknowledgement is the first step to healing, right? Okay? (laughs) So we we did a little bit of research. Did you know that the average individual spends seven hours a day on some type of screen, whether that's a computer screen at work, a television, your phone, or a video game? Seven hours a day. Break that down that the average adult spends three hours and 43 minutes of their seven hours a day on a screen directly on their phone. And take that one step further the average internet user spends two hours and 22 minutes every day on social media alone. And so multiply that by the number of days in the week. And we are saying that on average, we spend 16 plus hours a week just on social media. 26 plus hours a week on our phone, and just for a frame of reference, there's 24 hours in a day, right? So we are spending longer than one day of the seven days that God gave us in the week connected to a device that's in our hand. And so I think what we have to do is that statistic begins to set in on us. I, I don't think the question is or the statement is I don't have enough time. I think maybe the better question is how can I redirect and reprioritize the time that I do have, that is ultimately wasted time, into something that's intentional. So what are what are a few thoughts that you would share with someone if they're they're trying like they're serious about this and they want to create some intentional time and space and rhythm in their family for, for the specific purpose of thinking about and talking about and living out the gospel, what would you say?
1: Yeah, so I would say that we make time for what we consider to be important. We all have the same 24 hours in a day. So the question is, how well are we stewarding those hours you can't get more time just like there's no money tree there's no more time tree we hadn't found it yet (laughs) um so i think a great question is to ask if a stranger took a look at your weekly schedule or they read a transcript of every word that came out of your mouth in a day what do you think their guess would be um as what's important to you in your life challenge ask your kids that question Mm. you'll get a really honest response back so is it sports Is it work and climbing the proverbial career ladder? Is it fantasy football? Is it Amazon Prime shopping? Um, Or is it time spending endless amounts of time scrolling on your phone? Now, these are not bad things, but the question is, do they control you and do they dominate your schedule? Your schedule says a lot about what you consider to be important to you and your family, and if we wanted to parent intentionally, then we must look at how well we're carving out time um, in our week for the purpose of thinking about, talking about, and living out the commands of Scripture. It's not exclusively about a formal teaching. While that does play a role, but it's more about planned time that's dedicated to the spiritual growth of your family so in your schedule where do you see healthy and unhealthy tendencies um if you're constantly rushing stressed out and exist with a low hum of anxiety like most of us um you know what are you imparting to your kids or um more than that how's that impacting your interaction with your kids when you're constantly needing to get to the next thing um in a short amount of time Um, So I heard a great word of wisdom when it comes to the calendar, and it's addition by subtraction. And so really it just means that we gain more rest, and we can really enjoy what is present in front of us that really truly brings us life by subtracting those things that not necessarily bad things, but that prevent us from doing. Um, So uh, it may mean doing some countercultural things like not binging on Netflix till 12 a.m., knowing you got to get up at 6 a.m. and get yourself ready and get the kids out the door. Um, you know, I don't, I've don't. i never heard buddy, anybody say it. Oh, I feel so rested. I feel so restored after that. I literally it's mostly had three like,
0: conversations this morning. I said, how are you doing? Tired. Yes, like, yeah.
1: It's like, what have I done? I am not the person I was last night. Um, and so for us, you know, with both of us working out of the home, Um, We had to make the wise decision that our kids won't play multiple sports or be involved in multiple activities because we really value sitting down with one another and enjoying a meal together, having intentional conversations so that way we have a pulse on our kids um, from an emotional, social, and physical and spiritual uh, place. So as a Christian parent, we must remind ourselves of the destination that we're trying to reach. And we believe that a great question to ask is, what is your greatest hope for your child? Um, For us, it would be that we want our kids to grow, to love and know and serve God with everything that they have. And so that's what we ask you guys. What is your greatest hope um, for your kid? And does your family calendar support that goal or does it work against it?
0: Yeah, I think that's so good. And uh, maybe just a couple of practical things is, you know, we all said, "Yeah, we're already baseline. We're busy." Uh, so I don't think the answer is to try to figure out how to add another family event or gathering to the already busy schedule. But it's reimagining how you can take advantage of time that already exists. It's already there. So maybe the practical step is identify one thing that you have to do every day. Right? Determine what that one thing is, and then lean into that moment. Like you have to sleep every day. You you have to eat every day you you have to drive your kid somewhere every day so how can you lean into and maximize that moment maybe it's share the family meal together with no phones and no tv on in the background that's an easy place to start maybe maybe it's an opportunity where at a certain point of the day you just stop and you take 2 minutes together to pray Maybe it's a bedtime routine where you get really good at asking good questions of your kids so that the answer isn't just like good, 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 but you ask better questions to garner better answers, to know where your kid really is, and then you lean in intentionally and pray something very direct and specific over them in that moment based on the conversation that you've had. Or maybe it's something as simple as a movie night or a game night where, again, you separate yourself from distractions and you choose to be fully present in the moment because, I know you know it, but we try, to, we try to push it away. Our kids know when we're fully present. Like,
2: mm-hmm.
0: my, my heart has been broken so many times when my kid goes, Dad, stop looking at your phone. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I was engaging him, but I wasn't really present with him. Um, which I think... Moments lead to, um, that conversation leads to maybe one of the other milestones that we need to have a conversation about. A a practice in intentional parenting is leveraging the moments that we have because the reality is we know this. There are a million moments along the way that we can lean into and invest ourselves in to maybe what are some practical tips that you would give a parent to leverage the moments, the opportunities of everyday life for the purpose of gospel-centered conversations?
1: Yeah, so this may be kind of a hard and weird place to start, but I think it's valid. You know, sometimes we're more concerned about our kids' happiness or our comfort over their character and even our character. And so we need to ask ourselves in the moments, especially with correction or when rebuke is needed, am I trying to get them to submit to my kingdom In my preference, or to God in His kingdom through this situation? Is this godly correction, or is this for my convenience? Um, In my discipline of my child, am I humbling them, or am I humiliating them? Um, The way we handle these moments really should reflect the same grace and truth we receive from our Heavenly Father. Sure. And so intentional parenting moments are really just being observant of and sensitive to the opportunities to communicate God's truth wherever um, and whenever these circumstances might come our way. Uh, leveraging these moments to disciple our, our kids, well, it'll involve the use of scripture. One, of them we, one that we use often is, in your anger, do not sin. It's okay to feel anger. It's not okay to respond out of that anger. Um, Another way would be to go on a walk and talk about uh, God's creation. And you're going to talk a little bit more about that here in just a second. Or maybe it's watching a TV and just kind of talk about how the character in the movie handled the situation. How would you um, do this differently? Um, I think what we have to remember the most is that more is caught than taught, again. And that modeling is our greatest asset. And so in every situation, your kids are going to be looking to you. To be the living example of God's truth.
0: Yeah, I think, it's, I think it's a matter of being proactive and not reactive, not being passive. Um, so I think maybe the best thing that I can add to this moment is just to be really honest and share a moment that I almost missed. And so um, I, I know you can tell, but I, I've picked up running again here lately. And so uh, I've been doing a lot more of that uh, in the last few weeks. And I was going to go run last week. And uh, I was going to get some alone time, earbuds in, listen to a podcast, be out on my own. And my seven-year-old son said, dad, can I go run with you? And everything inside of me went, no. (laughs) All the selfish feelings washed over me. Um, But man, as I look back on it, like I'm so, I I said yes. Even though everything in me wanted to say no, I said yes. Yes. And so I knew that was going to like, it was going to wreck my pace. I knew I wasn't going to do the thing that I had set out to do. Like all the things that I wanted to personally accomplish were out the window, but I leaned in and I didn't just do the thing because he said, I want to go with you, but I tried to be intentional in the thing. And so, man, as we ran the first mile of our run together, man, we got to have a conversation about God's creation and the beauty of it and the privilege that it is to get to be a part of it and how God has invited us in to his story and so we're getting to do that, and we ran down to this little pier that's kind of outside our neighborhood where people fish, and this is a random little detail, but I think the random little details are the reasons why we try to lean in, and so, I mean, we're standing there just kind of catching our breath, and we're watching this guy, he's throwing, you know, rods into the water, and he's got a bobber sitting there, and this, like, literally this little baby alligator comes up and bites the bobber on this guy's thing, and he just begins to pull it out, and the guy looks at me and Judah, who are literally, we're just standing over the pier just observing what's going on. And he goes, that literally never happens. They never do that. And I went, man, like that's a moment that I may never see in my life ever again. And not only did I see it, but I got to experience it with my son. And so we we had this moment and we got to joke about it as we started our run back and headed back up the road. And then the conversation turned because on the back end of the run, it became about endurance and perseverance for Judah as he was getting tired and he was getting winded. And so we got to take, take scripture and apply it to real life about what that means to develop perseverance and character and the hope of Jesus that we have that sustains us through all things. And it was a moment that I would have very easily missed if I would have chosen to let selfishness win. And so what I believe is our responsibility as parents is to take advantage of the small moments because I believe over time, the small moments make big impact. And I think as we get in that vein of big impact, oftentimes big impact, it leads to big milestones, right? In the spiritual life of our child or our family. And I think that those milestones, they deserve proper recognition, right? Like we need to make sure that we are marking those things because those are the landmarks that are gonna remind us about the destination and the journey that we started to begin with, because they're going to help us remember that we're headed in the right direction. And I openly admit, I am not good at this. I'm, I'm trying to get better at this, but Celeste, you're, you're way better at this than I am. And so I'm going to default to you one last example. And I'd love for you to share your thought process behind the celebration of Piper's one-year baptism.
1: Yeah. So one way we walked out milestone. Um... With our daughter, uh, to us, Piper's baptism anniversary was something uh, that we found to be so significant, and it was worth worthy of uh, recurrent reflection and celebration. And so, honestly, we see this often played out in Scripture, where someone has gone through something and they build an altar, or they celebrate a festival and a holiday. Uh, to praise God for his faithfulness, or they build their Ebenezer, as you've probably heard before. And so these were all instances where God's people went through something, and they wanted something to remind themselves of God's faithfulness to them. And so that's all really what we wanted to do with this um, with Piper. We wanted her to be reminded of God's faithfulness to her through um, Jesus. And so what we've done is we've, we've chosen to celebrate this much like we would celebrate a birthday birthday. Uh, with a cake, with a card, blessings, and presents. Um, And we also found it uh, very beneficial to invite women over from our church family. And the cool part about that, it was actually people from different decades of life um, that Piper was able to recognize as women who have great influence in her life. And so we wanted her to know really that she's not only loved and celebrated and believed in by just her parents, but by other godly women who see great potential in the abilities that God has gifted her with. And so we wanted to highly encourage those relationships. And honestly, it was just a beautiful experience to witness for our daughter as these ladies celebrated her and showered her and offered her challenges for the next year of her life in order to spur her on into her relationship with God. Um, So some ways that you guys may can celebrate milestones is... As simple as a birthday, uh, just speak a blessing over your child. Um, maybe through holidays, we love to celebrate Advent. We get kind of we get kind of crazy <laughs> with it, but we love it. Um, maybe it's your your marital anniversary where you go and look through um, the pictures and just celebrate God's faithfulness uh, to the commitment made. Maybe it's to commemorate a loved one that you lost, and you tell stories about that person, and maybe you enjoy uh, a, a meal that that person loved, or go somewhere that that person loved to visit. Um, Maybe it's going on a family adventure, uh, um, or on a vacation, or maybe it's like celebrating a rite of passage, like graduation, or baby dedication, or maybe your kid accomplishes something that was really difficult for them to do in their age range. Um, But really, we just want to be diligent as parents with um, implementing milestones. It's just to have our kids live in a rhythm of making significant marks in their uh, life With these events. And it's much like God commanded Israel to do, to remember how He was the one that delivered them out of Egypt. He was the one that brought them out of the wilderness into um, His promises, into His promised land. And so much like Israel, our kids, and honestly us, you know, we need to remember these moments of God's uh, faithfulness so that when we enter into seasons of life where it's really difficult to see God working we'll be able to hold on to the truth that God is the sameful God um, in that milestone that we marked as he is in this um, current circumstance that we're in. And so he never changes no matter the highest peak or the lowest valley that we find ourselves in. So anything else you want to add there?
0: Man, I, I think we... I feel we, like I just ran a marathon. Yes. So, <laughs> so real life, it's like trying to squeeze Niagara Falls through a coffee straw to like say all the things. And we've, we've, we've said nothing in the last 40 minutes of all the things that we could say. So we're going to land the plane because we want to make sure you guys have some time uh, to spend with the Parent Q Gallery. So maybe I would just end with a disclaimer today. Um, it could be really easy to hear this conversation and become overwhelmed and frustrated because it feels like this challenge that you literally do not have the time or the space or the capacity for, right? Mm-hmm. And, and I would say don't, don't succumb to that today. Don't let that be the feeling that you walk away with. Rather, see it as an invitation to make a difference in the life of your child because I believe that God has invited you into the story of your child because he allowed that child to be yours. And so take advantage of the gift that that is and make the investment. Um, anything from you?
1: Um, yeah, I would just say that you know successful parenting is not necessarily um winning or seeing your kids come to the lord though that is our prayer is that our kids would come um to the saving knowledge of jesus but it's really more for us um you know there's things that come out of me sometimes i'm like where did that come from um you know just us relying on Jesus and trusting him and really just giving our kids the opportunity to see and hear the gospel and just trusting God with his purposes and to do what only he can t- He can do. Um, and then I would just say too, children are people. Um, you know, sometimes we treat them like an object, almost like they're an inconvenience, or we uh, have them because they make us look better. And so it's wise to remember that um, they're not an object, that they're human and they're worthy of value and respect and honor and dignity just like us. And so they're a really good place to practice the one another's that you read about in, in the Bible. Um, and then also just uh, commit to spiritual community. You're not alone in this parenting thing. Um, And we can't stress that enough, that there's people out there walking the same journey that you are. And there's a lot of gray areas sometimes when it comes to parenting and and the decisions that you'll have to make based on the unique context that you find yourself in. And so what better way to do that than to share that with someone? Um, Maybe a quick way to remember the day, again, is to determine where you are. Determine where it is that you want to go and to determine the route that you want to take. Establish where you are on the road right now Um, If there's one thing that you could do different walking out of today, identify what that might would be and fight hard to implement that. Um, It's never too late. Don't think things are too far gone, especially if you have teenagers in your home. I think one of the greatest things that you could do is ask forgiveness if you haven't really led well to this point, you may see some mouth drop <laughs> in your living room with this conversation. Ask for grace um, as you establish a new rhythm in your home, because you're probably going to feel some resistance to it. But God will meet yeah. you with your effort. Um, and find your place in the greater story that God is trying um, to tell in the lives of those he uh, calls his children.
0: So good. So good. Um, man, we're going to end the gathering a little bit differently today. Um, you guys are going to be equipped with a resource on your way out the door, and we've talked about it. The gallery exists all throughout our building today. Maybe you have kids or grandkids or you one day expect or hope to have kids. Man, there are questions that your kids are asking, and there are questions that you're asking that you don't know that you're asking right now in the phase that they exist in or the phase that they're getting ready to transition to. And so a lot of hard work has gone into the gallery that exists throughout our space today. And so on your way out the door, if you didn't get one already, you're going to be equipped with this um, piece of paper that talks about the different phases, um, but then it also has a map on the background if you want to find specifically where it is, the stage of life that your child exists in right now.
2: Relationships matter. We all have to navigate relationships in our life. almost all relationships come with difficulties. They can test our patience, challenge our perspective, and sometimes require more grace than we feel like we have to give. Know today that no matter how easy or how difficult the relationships in your life may be, you are not alone. Scripture contains God's design on how to handle the relationships in our life, and we're here to help you too. We would love to pray for you and encourage you as you navigate the relationships in your life and grow in your relationship with God. You can get the conversation started today by simply texting your first name to 601-397-6111. Our ministry team would love to pray for you and walk with you in your faith and relationships in your journey. As we close out our time today and prepare to scatter as the church, let's speak out our declaration together. We believe the great exchange took place when Jesus, who had no sin, became sin for us so we can know God. We exist to see people exchange their old life for a new life in Christ and live out their purpose. Christ's love compels us to exchange ideas for truth. God's word is our standard. Selfishness for serving, we will serve others. Pleasing for reaching, we will share our faith. Keeping for dispersing, we will make disciples. For getting, for celebrating, we will praise God. We are the church.